0: All right, here we go. On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM Las Vegas flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The Wii also includes social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky.
1: Nobody beats the wind. Nobody beats
0: the wind. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of several shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O U T T A. L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox L V. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans Powered by Illuminate Bank Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank today.
2: Was it was there kind of a turning point in the third period in Edmonton because it seems like since that point you guys have been playing your your brand of hockey.
3: I think that's where it started, right? It's our third period it's like allow us to get in overtime and get a big point uh, for for our team and uh, yeah. Ever since I think we're playing some pretty good uh, hockey. We're a good, like we're a really good team defensively. We know that we limit chances and our
4: goalies give us a chance to win every night. So that's a luxury that we have as a team and. Uh, there's too many good players in that locker room to, to don't score some goals. So
3: Overall, uh, you know, looking back at it, we had a good season. Uh, we won enough games to get us to the championship. Uh, but once we're here, we got to win that one. Um, but I think we got the best coaches in the nation. Um, and, and so, you know, following them, uh, we're going to be in good hands um, and just continue to, to win and get better. The 13-0, and 0, I mean, it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to go 12-0. And then uh, have to beat a really good football team a second time in one year. Um, you know that's that's uh, that's just a tip of the cap to our our, our guys and uh, just how they they didn't worry about the last game, they didn't worry about you know what, what was, who was supposed to win or anything like that. Just focused on us. It's always been about us. We believe that we have what it takes, and um, if we just play in the present and control what we control, um, that's what happens. Is what you see out there today.
0: Just a couple of events that were covered this weekend. It's been a, a lot going on here in Las Vegas. But, hey, as we become uh, slowly a sports mecca, that's what happens. You just heard from uh, Jonathan Marceau, who uh, Magnum spoke with in the locker room after the VGK game last night. You also heard Jackson Woodard talking about the season UNLV had. And, of course, of course, the amazing coaching staff and the job Barry Odom has done there. And then you also heard from Caleb DeBoer. Uh, he, of course, the Washington Huskies head coach, uh, 13-0 Huskies. Who beat Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game on Friday night at Allegiant Stadium? And uh, they should. Be in the college football playoff. Matter of fact, I think they're one of two teams, along with Michigan, that is a lock. And uh, we'll hear more about all of that going on after this. We'll also uh, we'll also talk to you a little bit about the college football playoffs and uh, more of that. Uh, who's going to get in? Who's not? Man, uh, up for some great debate. And we'll talk about that. We've got the bones a little bit later on. The Raiders, of course, uh, last week uh, they lost to Kansas City to put the record to five and seven. Now they pretty much have to run the table and win their last five games to have any chance of probably of making the postseason. season. Uh, Spencer will give his take on that. And we will hear from Antonio Pierce as well after the KC game and uh, UNLV basketball. Well, they did get a win on Tuesday night. Um, it was against Akron, uh, We'll talk about that. if, if we, Time permitting, we'll talk about UNLV basketball in, in a little bit, and uh, hopefully we will have time to get to that one as well. But that is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own, or if you just have any mortgage or real estate-related questions, contact RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank today, and they will help you out with all of your home financing needs. Um, it has been... A heck of a week. I mean, you know, the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's really cool. You know, we have the Thanksgiving holiday. I get back last Saturday from the Thanksgiving holiday. Guys, as you know, literally got in a car with my friend Steve Marsh, went to the uh, UNLV San Jose State game. Of course, not the greatest outcome. Left that game, went straight over to T-Mobile to the the Vegas Golden Knights game get done with that that night have to get here last Sunday morning and then uh, Sunday afternoon or not even barely Sunday afternoon I'm at the Raiders game back at Allegiant Stadium again and then it was like rinse and repeat we had the uh, Tuesday was the UNLV game and the UNLV basketball game I got a couple of days to breathe then you had Friday the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant get up the next morning fly back to Allegiant Stadium to get to the uh, Mountain West Champ Conference championship game yesterday and of course the Vegas Golden Knights played the Washington Capitals last night. I didn't want to miss that one. Any chance you get to see, and not that I don't love seeing the Vegas Golden Knights play, but any chance you get to see Alex Ovechkin play hockey, you were talking about one of the greatest players of all time, and when his career wraps up, although he's not really on any kind of a scoring tear this year, but when his career wraps up, he will probably be the all-time leading goal scorer in National Hockey League history, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I really thought when Wayne Gretzky's career ended that I would never ever see a player to eclipse what he did in the National Hockey League. And Alex Ovechkin, man, he just plants himself on the doorstep to the right or the left of the goaltender, and he puts the puck in the net. That's just what the guy does. He didn't last night. He actually had no points last night. You don't see that too often. But um, let's go ahead, Spence. We'll get to nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game.
2: It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of
0: the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck
1: starts here. Uh, I think every game kind of feels the same. Obviously, it's nice to be home, but you know it's been a tough stretch. It's a, you know a lot of hockey, and um, so we got to find ways to get our rest and, and stay ready. So um, I thought the guys you know came out hard, and uh, you know we found our groove again.
0: He's talking about last night, and, uh, you know, I think they found their groove in the third period of the Edmonton game, and Chris asked both uh, Jonathan Marchessault and Bruce Cassidy about that when they seemed to get their legs and, uh, and get it going, and really it seemed like in that third period of the Edmonton game offensively they finally broke out and that to me was really really important for this team to start getting offensive prowess I mean they are stacked with guys that can put the puck in the net you know Carlson Marcell Eichel Stoney all these guys can get the job done and did I just say Stoney man I don't want I hate sounding like a like like one of those guys that, that say the nicknames because I don't typically do that but the truth of the matter is they've got a whirlwind of talent on this team they are as a uh, Bruce Cassidy talked about about As a matter of fact Spencer if you want to go right to that now Bruce Cassidy talked about the benchmark um, and then you can play Spencer actually play what Spencer uh, Spencer mentioned to, to Bruce first uh, and follow that up with uh, what Bruce Cassidy had to say about because you know a lot of other teams and somebody asked this and when you listen to like the coaches of other teams Edmonton's coach you heard Vancouver's coach say it they when they play the Vegas Golden Knights they consider that a benchmark to see where their team is at and you'll hear after Chris's question and Bruce Answers. it. then Bruce answers the question about the benchmark and what who is the benchmark that the Golden Knights measure their sums against. And it's an interesting answer. And it's it's Bruce Cassidy ish. And it's the right answer. It really is. But go ahead and play if you will the question Magnum asked him last night.
2: Fox Sports Las Vegas, Bruce. Something changed in between that second period and third period in Edmonton. You guys have gotten back to playing your brand of hockey. Just what 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 have you seen that's that's been the difference?
1: Well, the only thing we talked about that period was about getting back to being the Vegas Golden Knights. So there's a little bit of people start talking about that the last year and, and you know fighting through the hurdles and all that. And I think everybody starts believing it, right? You know, and then, so eventually it's like we got to put the brakes and just get back to being in the moment, and then mentally refresh when we leave the ring. So get back to being who we are. And, I think scoring a couple goals there by our, you know, like Coley and Heidi hadn't scored yet. So I think that gave us some life. They're well-liked guys. And uh, and Vancouver, the day off, we kind of reminded the guys about that in Vancouver. So you're starting to see a snowball effect of, hey, last year's over. We we got to all the, you know, the perks of that. And we're still getting team's best shot. But we got to get to our game now and find a way to rest when we're away from the rink. But when we're at the right, we've got to find our game, even though we're in a tough stretch. And and I think the guys have bought into that. So that's what's changed. I think we're just, to a man, more focused on the task at hand and playing on our toes a little more. Ourselves. It's ourselves. And that's why, to go back to Chris's question, that we're starting to get to let's be who we are we talked about that at the start of the year we had a couple games in here we won i think it was montreal right we weren't happy with the way we played guys addressed it they said you know we got to get now can you be that way every night for 82 games no but there should be stretches where that's who you are every night you might not win because you don't get a bounce or a save or a timely goal whatever all those things but that's who the measuring stick is for us right now and i you know i don't know how teams they've come out and stated that you're absolutely right i read both of those those stories and Washington or St. Louis, thinks all that. Who knows? But in general, we knew we'd get some of that. Um, we just have to, you know, be respectful of it. That hey, we're the defending champs, so uh, you're going to get that. But I think the key word for us we talk about too is defending. You know, we're defending until someone takes it from us. But this year, everyone feels they're good enough to win too, right? So let's get back to the moment and be that team. Uh, enjoy beating the defending champs, but let's keep working on being. The repeating champs, right? And I think there was just a little bit of a mindset sh- sh- mindset shift on that for us in Edmonton when we talked about that. And I think you're seeing now the result of that and, you know, how long that goes before there's, you know, your next sort of hurdle you go through adversity, we'll see. Um, and uh, time will tell
0: adversity a word a lot of teams around Vegas have been using lately but uh, you know the Vegas Golden Knights um, they uh, they weathered a little bit of a storm and you know that the, the first long road trip and and I think they've come out of it on the other side who they are and you know Jack Eichel the cream you know they always say the cream rises to the top this guy is one of the most talented players in the National Hockey League he is now the leading point getter on the Vegas Golden Knights he's got 27 points in 25 games 10 goals 17 assists he's second on the team with goals. Carlson and so tied Carlson last night, getting two goals the empty netter at the end of the game, so they both have 11. But Jack Eichel is just a guy, like you saw when he goes in, you knew when Jack Eichel gets a breakaway, very rarely is he not going to find the back of the net because he is just that talented and gifted of a player. Marzo, man, a great goal from, I mean, he was basically at the top of the circle almost, maybe in between the circles but kind of at the top, in between the circles when he put that puck in the net, a wrist shot that was just absolutely a rifled wrist shot. Uh, the goalie never saw it. You know, you think, well, God, a goalie should make that save. When I watched the replay last night on ESPN when I got home, you'll see, I don't know that, that the goalie... Now, are there goaltenders that would have saved that? Of course. But the bottom line is they would have had to have been a hot goaltender. It was a, good, it was a good goal, a good tally. And this team continues to get better. They continue to mesh. And, you know, you have Aiden Hill go down the other night. Logan Thompson comes in, replaces him. And then you just bring up your Patera from, from Henderson. They're getting a little thin in Henderson, man. They're going to have to reach down to get some goaltending help eventually. But, you know, the whole thing is, is the Golden Knights have depth everywhere. And that's crucial. And Christian, something I kind of mentioned to you uh, before the show, something that, not a concern by any means, a luxury, but, you know, defensively, right now, you've got Shea Theodore out. It won't be that much longer. you got Martinez out. And uh, so, you know, those guys are out right now. So last night, the replacements for them were Ben Hutton and uh, Caden Corsack. You know, the other guy you're seeing is Bahal comes in as eventually. But, you know, Corsak's kind of, when you mention the depth chart of the defenseman, Chris, and you say the top six, we know who they are. Ben Hutton always to me has been the seventh and the first guy up. Then it would be Pahal. Then it would be Korzak. I don't know how if that order stays the same. You're not hurt by putting any one of those guys in, but Korzak seems maybe a little bit better offensively. No doubt about it, you mentioned Hutton will drop the gloves for sure. I don't know about Korzak dropping the gloves, but he is a physical defensive player, and the one thing you can see with Caden Korzak that is an essential, it's a key, it is an element you learn of hockey at the very beginning about playing the man and not the puck. Caden Corsick plays the man as well as anybody defensively, Chris. He goes into the boards, goes into the corners. Maybe I haven't seen him fight yet, but he surely can take a hit, and he also will dish it out.
2: Well, I think, Brian, the the, the first and foremost thing is Ben Hutton is your number seven guy. Like, there's no there's no debate about that. Ben Hutton's going to be the guy who who is the first one up off the bench. He's a veteran. He doesn't do anything that's going to cost you games. He knows what his job is. He goes out there and he does everything he's asked. He's going to be the number seven guy. And I still believe that based on the matchups and based on who's playing well and who's, you know, hot, I think Bruce Cassidy has the luxury to go back and forth between Korzak and 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 Braden Paul. But I do seem to think that it appears, at least right now, that Caden Korzak is getting the bulk of – the, the, the calls, um, it'll be interesting to see, right? Because we don't really know how long Martinez is out. Um, it's certainly not a, this isn't the NBA, right? There's no load management nonsense in the NHL, despite the fact that it's a much more brutal sport and a violent sport and a, and a very difficult sport. There's no load management in the NHL. Alec Martinez is missing games because he's hurt. Yeah. So we don't know what the update is, what the status is. We know Shea Theodore is week to week. And uh, he's probably going to be back sometime either next week or the week after that, probably sometime before Christmas, right? You know, that's kind of what you anticipate when you hear week to week, you figure two weeks, maybe three, not two months. Um, but look, I mean, this is a luxury that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have. They, they they have at their disposal, but they've built it up. Yeah. Like you look at Braden Pahal and he, he was a, he was an AHL guy for a long time and, and, He's worked his ass off to get to the NHL. His name is on the Stanley Cup now forever. And you look at Caden Korczak. He's a guy that they drafted in a, a mid-round a couple years ago in Vancouver. I think it was a 2019 draft. And then Ben Hutton was a guy that was on his couch. The guy was out of the league. Yeah. And this is why this duo is, if not the best, one of the best front offices in the NHL. Yeah. They leave... And, and it's not a, no, no pun intended here. They leave no stone unturned when it comes to finding ways to make the hockey team better. Like Michael Amadio, a guy who journeyman, right? Nobody knew anything about him when they picked him up. Ben Hutton was a guy who had kind of been a big disappointment in New York. You look at the goalies, Logan Thompson, his story is, is, is well-documented. Aiden Hill was a guy who played for two horrific teams.
0: An afterthought.
2: An afterthought. On two bad teams, yeah. he was an afterthought. Yep. Now he's a Stanley Cup champion goalie. So, it's a testament to the job that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and Bill Foley, yep. who who signed the checks, who wants to win at all costs. So, look, I mean, it's it's a luxury. It's, it's a huge luxury. You know, Caden Korczak has, has proven that Bruce Cassidy can put him out there in the biggest moments of the game, and it's not too big for him. Yeah. He's a kid. You know, he's a kid. And and they count on him to provide quality minutes. You know what's crazy, Brian? There's not one game this year where you've been like, Brady Pahal was terrible. Caden Korzak's terrible. No, you there, know. There's not one of those. Like, and and that's that's coaching. That's what's going on in Henderson. That's skill. And and it's it's belief. And this team is, I understand they they hit a rough patch, right? It's it's it was bound to happen, right? You're not gonna play eighty-two great games. This is this is a really tough league, and there's a lot of really good teams yeah. and some and, and you're dealing with the best players on the planet.
0: And and you know what? The Golden Knights right now with thirty-six points, the most points in the National Hockey League again, one of the best records. And uh this team finds a way. They are deep, as you mentioned, Chris. Uh there's not enough enough adjectives to to, to, to Talk about how good this team can be on any given night. It's nice to see last night when you look at the lineup card, their forwards were pretty much their... That that was everybody. That's what you're going to see when you look at Vegas Golden Knights up front. And like you said, defensemen—they're missing Martinez and Theodore, but they're not hurting. And goaltender-wise, again, Yuri Patera would start on a lot of teams. He would definitely be at least the number two goaltender on a lot of teams in the National Hockey League. And yet, he spends a lot of time in the AHL down with the Silver, uh, the Henderson Silver Knights, simply because where are you going to put him when when Thompson and Aiden Hill are healthy? They're the number one and two guys, and. It- It is a luxury, and luxury is a word that's used a lot with the Vegas, the Golden Knights. Will they repeat this year? Well, hey, anything can happen, man. But the odds-on favorite for a reason. From from as Chris said, from ownership to the front office. To now the head coach, and, and they've, they have not had a bad, bad head coach. The three coaches the Golden Knights have had have all been perfect fits for that time frame that they've been in. And again, I can go on and on about George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. You know, George McPhee, again, his relationship with Herbie Brooks and part of the miracle on ice, I mean, he was one of the creators, the uh, orchestrators of that miracle team that won the Olympics and, you know, is talked about to this day, you know, 40 years, 40-plus 40 years later and of course uh, Kelly McCrimmon a byproduct of that a lot of people were a little bit surprised when George McPhee stepped aside and promoted Kelly McCrimmon to the president he's done nothing but accentuate and obviously the team's won a Stanley Cup with him being the pre, you know being the general manager of this team so I uh, I love what I'm seeing here don't worry about this team they're going to have off nights it's a season of ebb and flows because you have 82 games but at the end of the season I think the Golden Knights will be right there again and then it's just uh, you how they perform when they get to that point, guys. Switching it up over to UNLV. Uh, you know, can't talk enough about this team either, man. What a great story! Uh, one of the best stories of 2023, especially here when you talk about Las Vegas sports. Uh, what Barry Odom has done. I mean, is it a miracle? No, but it's pretty spectacular. I mean, he has taken a team that's relatively the same team. Yes, you've got a few new faces. A guy like Jackson Woodard that does make a huge difference. You got a big offensive lineman that also came from. Our Arkansas that makes a big difference. But again, a lot of the the skill players are still intact. Maeva was already here. He was a redshirt freshman. You know, Ricky White had come last year. I I talked to Ricky White last night. We're going to play that interview in a minute. And the reason he came was because his high school quarterback, Harrison Bailey, was here. Harrison Bailey didn't work out for him, but it sure in hell worked out for Ricky White. First team, all Big Ten. Uh, When All-American comes out, if he's not I would even say it's almost a crime if he's an honorable mention All-American. The guy should be probably a third-team All-American, and he is going to have a shot at playing a slot wide receiver position in the National Football League. I think this guy, he has the speed to play the slot position and the skill set to play in the National Football League. I truly believe that. I think his hands, his prowess, and just his overall intensity and ability to catch the football, this guy, this guy's going to play on Sundays. I believe that. And, um, and and I think he'll be successful. Like I don't think he'll be an afterthought. I think he has the ability to be a starting slot receiver in the National Football League. Really, really cool. And Spence, before we even go on to talk about the game, go ahead, I got a chance to talk to Ricky White last week. Of course, the audio didn't work out, so this week, Spence, uh, help me out with that. We talked to Ricky again. Almost a rinse and repeat of the interview, but here's, here's yesterday talking to Ricky White after they lost the Mountain West Conference Championship game to Boise State. Talking with Ricky White after an unbelievable season. He <laughs> had Talk about uh, this season and uh, what it meant to
3: me. It admit the most. You know, we had a great staff, a great you know great staff, great players around us. So, you know, we, we I feel like we built the, the chemistry, you know, in the off season just to come out in the season, bring that fuel every game to come out, and you know, have a nine game, nine game see the season, of or you know, with the upcoming game. But, you know, we're gonna keep working. So, um you know, just we, you know, we didn't come up with the temperature game, over you know. We're going to hang
0: our head around. We still continue to win. The season just started. It was like the world where the guy just winning all these games. And then the last two big games against, uh, you know, first first ball San Jose State. And then this game. How do you pick yourself up after these two games? Because you still got a bowl game to play, in, and that means a whole lot to this university, and this community, and obviously to you guys. Yeah, just, just trusting our work,
3: all the work that we put in, trusting our staff, the team put in the work at practice. And, you know, results are awesome, definitely for sure. Because, like I said, we, you know, we, we came up short this game and you know, me. You know, we gonna hang our
0: heads. All the accolades that you and all we got this year, sort of conference players and the first team all conference players, uh, Jose Pizarro, uh, special teams player, a lot of accolades for you. I think Ricky, you were probably one of the leaders of these accolades. Talk about your success in this university, and from last year to this year, and coming over from Michigan State. You know, I want to thank God,
3: you know, put me in this position, give me this chance. You know, want to my staff, you know, you know, the players around me. You know, I can't do this, any of this work without them. Um, so it's definitely an honor, you know. To continue to work you know, to do what we can do, really.
0: Last year to this year, what's the big, obviously, coaching staff change, but what was the biggest thing that you saw from a team that really, relatively, a lot of the same players from last year to this year? What was the big
3: difference? I would really say just our habits. We changed our habits, um, and that, that allowed us, you know, to pull away from big games and continue to work work hard and, you know, to go and stay
0: with our habits, really. By I got to ask you. I'm a graduate from Michigan State, by the way. I mm-hmm. graduated from Michigan State alumni and from Detroit. Mm-hmm. What made you change from Michigan State? I mean, it wasn't like you were sitting on the bench there. Right. You had a great game against Michigan. I saw it. What made you decide to come to UNLV?
3: I just had an opportunity here. You know, one of my high school friends, Harrison Bailey, started quarterback for me in high school. My senior, he transferred here. I wanted to transfer with him. He asked me to come. I feel like that would be a great opportunity for me to, because we had a chemistry in high school. i the like great numbers in high school. So, you know. he ended up leaving, but I stayed the course. I put my head on. Can't wait.
0: You're going to be here next year with yeah. this, yeah. this team next year? The sky's the limit, right? So, really appreciate you. Great season, my Yeah, he said he'll be here next year, and uh, I think so. And after the game, you know, Barry Odom talked for a while as Barry Odom usually is, but to me, this summed up uh, what Barry Odom had to say after the game last night. And I, I hate that we didn't win the championship today. I mean, it's it will drive and motivate me for my career. It's as simple as that. I mean, and, and I don't think he's lying. I think it's as simple as it will drive and motivate him for his career. And Spence, uh, you know... It, you know I, I know both you and Chris, and, and, and justifiably have been very critical of UNLV the past couple of seasons. Um, I think everyone was excited about Barry Adam. I know Chris and I, were we were there day one, and, and we're pretty excited about just what the guy said and what he brought to the table. But uh, now, looking at the end of the season, you know they're probably going to go to Arizona, play in that Arizona Bowl. It looks like they're playing Tucson against, I'm thinking, Miami of Ohio. Seems to be the most lucrative matchup there. It's about a six-hour drive. I'm thinking about making it, but Then I'm spending New Year's in Tucson, Arizona. I'm not sure that I'd want to do that. Tucson, tombstone what's the difference? But, Spence, what are you thinking now? What are your thoughts after this season on UNLV? I mean, are you proud of this team? Are you proud of wearing UNLV garb around now?
4: Well, I'll say that I felt disappointed after the game, but – you know, as time has gone on and it's so hard, right, because I really did want them to win and we were in the press box and there are times when it was hard for me, you know, you can't—you have to mean, you know, neutral in the press box and it, it was hard because for the first time, like in my life, I was like really cheering for them in this season, I guess I should say I was cheering for them the whole time when I never really thought I'd feel that connected to UNLV, UNLV football. And, you know, as I've, you know, woke up this morning, I've been thinking about it. I can't be disappointed. I mean, this is a team that was chasing after four wins on a consistent basis. I mean, the only games that really mattered to me at any given season was the game against Reno. And I mean, both programs are like generally very bad. So like, that was it. That's like the egg bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But, you know, those two franchises at least, or those two colleges have seen success outside of their, outside of the egg bowl. But for UNOV and Reno, I mean, that's it. And to see them in the conference championship game, they were hosting it. I got to go. You know, I don't know. I just, the way that the game went on and the fact that they kind of lay down in the entire fourth quarter did kind of settle me wrong. And there was a lot of frustrating moments in that game. But overall, I am... Very proud of this team, Brian. <laughs> yeah. So no, it's good. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the bowl game. It would be really good for the seeing them in the bowl game. In fact, the last time they did win a bowl game, the university, our own university, UNLV, tried to disqualify ourselves. I guess there was some like recruiting going on. So I feel like this would be the first legitimate bowl game in UNLV history.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to say, Chris. I, you know, bring you in on this. Obviously, um, a couple of things. One, a thought is the loss yesterday probably keeps Barry Odom at UNLV for one more season. I mean, I don't want to say it's a a negative. Uh, Yesterday, a little bit in the San Jose game, but yesterday was the first time I, under my breath and even out loud questioned coaching at times, I really thought um, that starting the second half, they were down two touchdowns. Jordan Maeva just didn't have it yesterday. Uh, There were times he played okay, but running the football was very suspect. I saw him just make poor decisions running the football. Again, carrying the ball like a loaf of bread, to me, that turned the game around when he fumbled the football in the first half. It seemed like it was a very evenly matched game to that point, and all of a sudden, it was just like, boom, it really started going Boise State's way. And then again, one of the interceptions, Chris, I mean, it was just flat-out horrible. And I don't know why when you've got a guy like Doug Brunfield, who's been a starter, you know he's probably using the portal to get out of here. He's got one more season of eligibility, but he's been a starter. You know that guy is selling elevating, chomping at the bit to get into a ball game. And of this magnitude, why not bring him in in the second half and let him uh, see what he can do? I I, I didn't think he had anything to lose. I know it was only a two-touchdown game, and you're not out of it completely. But Boise State is a good football team. They've been playing well, especially towards the end of the season. There is a lot of controversy and turmoil at Boise State regarding the coach and what's happened there. So, you know, you really had an opportunity, I think, to try something different. My opinion... Why he didn't. I don't think it was anything to do with the shaking Jordan Maeve's confidence or stuff like that. I don't think Barry Odom floats down that river. What I think it was, Chris, is I think he knows Brumfield's leaving. They've probably already had that discussion and he figures, you know what, if Brumfield somehow does bring them back and they win this game... What do I do in the bowl game, and it's probably going to be a New Year's Day bowl game? How do I go back to Maeva after Brumfield's the reason we're here, and he's not going to be here next year? So to me, that may be been the reason why you know Barry Odom said, "I just got to rock. I got to live live and die with Jordan Maeva."
2: Yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, I don't know. If did um, someone maybe should have asked him after the game uh, why why he stuck with with Maeva? And you know, look. At the end of the day, that game changed the minute that Jordan Jaden Mayeva fumbled that football. JD, yeah. Um, look, we've been we've been critical of the way he carries the ball all year. The yep. option play for UNLV has been, well, let's just say shaky at best when they've run it because it seems like Maeva's not really sure what he's supposed to do. And, you know, I, I, I I'm not listen, coaching has been really good all season for this team. Yep. That's a coaching mistake. Because you need to recognize that Jaden Maeva is not very good running the ball in the option. And yet they went to the well a few too many times. I will say this. Fred Tompkins, the play of the game for UNLV, clearly. But the way Boise State responded after the Fred Tompkins touchdown, right down the field. it showed you why, why they are the team that is the conference champs. Look, I'll say this. That flea flicker pissed me off for the simple reason that there were two penalties on Boise on that play, and neither one of them was yeah. called. There was a clear hold on the UNLV DB who's blitzing on that play. The Boise lineman literally reaches out and grabs his jersey yeah. and pulls him back. And then there's there's a clear pick. It, it's, it's, it's obvious as day. Look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. UNLV would have lost that game regardless of if they throw those flags or not. But the level of, of officiating in this conference, especially – When you look at the Air Force game for UNLV and then a couple of missed calls, it seemed like every call went against UNLV yesterday. So at some point, I think it's a situation of you've got to earn the respect of the clowns in black and white, which is ridiculous because a penalty is a penalty, regardless of what jersey you're wearing. But these buffoons, they don't care. You know, It's a respect thing. At the end of the day, I'm proud of Barry Odom. I'm proud of UNLV. Look, this was a program that like Spencer said, they were struggling to win four games. And I know under Tony Sanchez, they certainly improved compared to what they did under Bobby Hackjob. But look, this is a program where it's now been proven you can win. Yep, You can win at UNLV. You don't need three years to come in and build a program anymore. The bar has been set, and this is now the expectation. As long as Barry Odom is here, this is the expectation. You're going to be competing for Mountain West Championships. You're going to be competing. The, 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 the most painful aspect to me is had UNLV won last week and had they won yesterday, and I know there's a lot, you know, what is it? If it's in butts. Or candy
0: what, and nuts, every day would be Christmas. Yeah,
2: look, I'm not, I'm not going down that road. But Tulane lost yesterday. Toledo lost last week. Or they they they're now out of the top 25. Had UNLV won these last two games Oh they'd be in the top twenty five They'd be not only would they be in the top twenty five, they'd be playing in one of the
0: big six yeah, bowl games. Yeah on New Year's on New Year's Day. No, Chris because I 'cause now now Liberty is going to be there. Yeah. Liberty. Well, nobody wants to see Liberty. They don't want to see him. but they're an undefeated team. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not, I, everything you said, I, I echo your sentiments in most cases. I think that, um, you know, that th- this is a new standard for UNLV, and it's really cool that the standard and the culture was literally shifted in one season by a coach that brought a couple of players with him. And one of those players, Jackson Woodard, you know, the biggest issue yesterday, there's no question it was defense. And this team just stuck in the mud. Jordan Maeva played bad. We know as Chris said, this guy puts the ball on the ground or throws a pick. Every game there is going to be an inopportune turnover as he matures as a quarterback and time goes on. I hope those things change. But the biggest problem yesterday was the defense. A defense that had showed so much improvement from last year to this year. Even losing a guy like Noel Williams to Cal, they still were able to put it together. Yesterday, the secondary looked non-existent. Boise State was behind. By
2: By the way, I got correction apparently top 25 is out. SMU has leapfrogged Liberty. They will now be representing the whatever they call the the non-power 5 schools in uh New Year's Day Bowl, so well, the, on their way the, to the ACC, by the way. Yeah,
0: that's funny, because SMU, obviously, a much bigger name school and more lucrative as far as those bowl games go, but, you know, again, defense was the problem, and also, it wasn't just the team, Boise State, getting behind the secondary. To wrap this segment up, we'll hear what uh, what, what Woodard had to say again, but Jackson Woodard, after the game, talking about the defense, and he took the blame himself, and, and you know what, I, he shouldn't have done that, it was everybody, but he did really get run over a couple times, something that was Was kind of uh, not really something we'd seen from Jackson Woodard all season.
3: We got to wrap up. Got to make the tackles. You know, we were there in position. uh, It starts with me. I got to make those tackles. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing. Make the tackles. We're, We're there. Just make them.
0: And, I mean, that's it. you got to make the tackles. I can't tell you, me and Spencer, we were sitting next to each other that game, and how many times we're like, oh, my God, can somebody wrap up and make a tackle? What are you throwing shoulders at a 220-pound running back? Throwing a shoulder at him when your defensive back is not going to take him down. I mean, it was, it was hard to see, but, again, Uh, chances are, we'll find out later today, but my guess is they're going to play in the Arizona Bowl. They're going to play Miami of Ohio. It's a matchup um, that just makes sense given Las Vegas' proximity to Tucson, Arizona. Uh, It would have been in L.A., I believe, had they won the game yesterday. They won both games, as Chris said. It would have been in a major bowl game. But I think they would have played in that California Bowl or Los Angeles Bowl, whatever it is, had they won yesterday. But either way, they're getting a bowl game. It should be a favorable matchup for UNLV. And they need to rebound from these last two losses and go and win a bowl game. And it would be big time for UNLV. So, again, guys, I'm going to echo your sentiments. I'm proud as hell of this team. I'm proud as hell of this coach. And if – Losing yesterday's game keeps Barry Odom at UNLV for one or two more seasons. I think everyone will be able to put a Band-Aid on that and be okay with it. I hope he's able to rebound and win the uh – you know, win the um, the bowl game, and that's going to probably be my guess. And, again, the, the Arizona Bowl is scheduled for the 30th of December on New Year's Eve. Who knows if I'm there. We'll be doing the show remotely. We'll be taking Christmas Eve off, by the way. We just realized that yesterday. So, guys, one other, you know, move, moving forward, you know, obviously another bowl game played here, or I should say another championship game here played the night before, and that was the Pac-12 championship game. Um, interesting. Uh, you, you heard the coach at the at, at the top of the show. Interesting in in a few different ways. Um, Michael Penix, I think. Uh Moved himself up the chart. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, but I think he could very well finish second, and I do think he has an outside dark horse shot at winning it. This kid's going to play in the NFL. He's a left-handed quarterback. We saw his arm strength. We saw his accuracy, and we also saw his ability to run the football. This guy's the complete package. He will be, I believe, a top five pick this year in the National Football League. And after the game, uh, uh, this Michael Penix uh, talking after the game.
3: Man, you know, I'm just super excited to, to be here and to be in this moment, you know, um, obviously, you know, like coach said, you know, it's sad to see, but, you know, for us to be able to, you know, do the things that we did this season, you know, and, uh, you know, it's still going on, but to do the things that we've done so far, you know, it, it took a lot of hard work and dedication. Like he said, we played a lot of great teams in this conference and um, man, we're just super blessed to be a part of it and uh, just look forward to, to what the future holds
0: good kid, talented kid, and a kid that's going to be playing for a national championship and probably going to match up from everything I'm hearing. Washington will actually, with winning that game, they'll drop a spot because they were number three in the country going in, and I don't think they want Michigan playing the SEC team. The D is they want the matchups. They wanted a good national championship game, so they're going to make Washington play Michigan and they... they you they're know, playing the Rose Bowl. Right, they'll, they'll, it makes sense. It's and a la-
2: future future conference mates. No,
0: future conference mates and fitting... Kind of the last year of the Pac-12, as we know it, will end up in a Rose Bowl game with Washington I, playing Michigan. And I, I, Washington, I, don't, I, don't, I think they've got 18 Pac-12 championships to their credit, second most all-time. Michigan always with Ohio State, one of the top teams in the Big Ten. This is a pretty cool matchup in the Rose Bowl. I just don't know how Washington, watching the game last night, I don't think Washington can stay with Michigan.
2: No, look, I, I, I've I been watching them. I actually was actually on their campus. Uh, about two and a half weeks ago, and and they have this massive, massive poster of Michael Penix in one of the buildings. It's probably about forty feet tall, which is pretty cool. But I I, I don't know what they do because Michigan deserves to be number one. Georgia lost, so I think I think you'll probably end up. I I don't think they end up playing each other. Because you, you, you you're
0: dropping Georgia. It shouldn't out. be they shouldn't, but every like you're listening to the experts, they're saying that's what's gonna be the matchup. Well, who, who the hell's gonna be the number one well, team? Well Michigan's gonna you know, be the you number know what one. They may Michigan do. will be the number one team in the country. You There's know what no doubt do. about that. They, they're gonna move Michigan up.
2: Michigan will be number one and they may drop Washington to four and then they'll they'll screw Florida State and they'll make Alabama number three and they'll end up playing Texas in again a rematch, Alabama and Texas.
0: I think, you know, Spencer just showed the project. That's a projection, right? The most recent projection that you're seeing, Spence? I think
4: these are projections, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a projection. Yeah, because they're not, it, they're not no, releasing it until, like, makes, 5 or 6. His nine.
0: projection makes sense, and it's based on record and schedule and Texas, uh, you know, getting be, getting benefited. But basically, it's got Michigan as number one, which I think is good. If you're going to keep the undefeated teams and look at it, that Washington should jump up to number two. Yeah. Florida State should be number three, although I think they'll be number four if Spencer's thing is correct. And Texas would jump up and be number two. But Spencer, with that, with that, you are saying there is going to be no sec team in the Final Four, I can't imagine listen, listen. that not happening. I, I would love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I am that got me a little bit excited, man. I I almost had to turn off the mic for a second, listen, but listen. I just don't I, see a SEC team being left out. Chris. I, I,
2: I think Alabama gets in. Yep. So do and I. I, th- I think at the expense of Florida State, which is total crap. Yep. Nope, nope, because I agree. Florida State, listen, you have three major conference champions that went undefeated. They all won their conference title game. Then you have Alabama, who lost to Texas. You cannot leave Texas out when they went to Brian Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa and they beat the tail of the Crimson Tide. You cannot leave them out. It's inexcusable, but it's gonna happen. Florida State is gonna get burned. And it's it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. The Seminoles were rated top five coming into the season. They've done everything that's been asked of them, even with a third string quarterback. Listen, I know the precedent isn't there, and I know it's a completely different animal. The New York Giants won a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler as their quarterback. Man, I'm not saying Florida State's going to win a national title with their backup or their third string quarterback, but these hey. guys, these these guys are good enough to play at a major college. Trent,
0: Trent Dilfer won his Super Bowl, so did yeah. Brad Johnson. No, you so, mentioned, I mean, but, I mean, but, the, but no, Chris,
2: the, I, it, it's it's awful. And all it does is it, it highlights how bad this system has been forever. Remember the year Ohio
0: State won the title; they didn't even deserve to be in. Yeah, I know, I know, they they weren't even in the big in the Big Ten champion they, yeah. in the championship game. No, I Chris, I get all of it. Uh, you know, the thing is, is they're looking for the most lucrative matchups, obviously, and as a fan. I'm not going to say that Florida State doesn't deserve to be in there. They do, but I want to see the best matchups. I don't want to see a lemon bowl game. Now, maybe Florida State would sow so much pride at, at all the rhetoric that's been talked about this team without a quarterback that maybe they would stand up. But listen, in their win yesterday in the ACC championship game over Louisville, they won 16-6. to you know what Brock Glenn, their third-string quarterback, true freshman, you know what his stats were, Chris? His stats were he, he threw 8 for 21, 55 yards, and no touchdown. I mean, I mean, against a Michigan team? Are you kidding me? Can you imagine having to go up a Michigan with a true freshman quarterback and that relentless defense that they have? Or Texas, look at the defense they have. And even Washington. This kid is going to be under duress like he's never been in his life, and I just don't think it's fair to the, to, to the nation. It's not fair to Florida State that they don't go, but I don't think it's fair to everyone else that they do based on that alone. Here, here's where I, the, I hey, down the to. selection committee in the NCAA basketball takes into account losing star players. I think you have to in the selection committee well, of the final the, four the, as the, well. The
2: problem is you have automatic bids to the NCAA tournament. So every team has an every team in the country has an opportunity to play for a national title. Look, nobody knew who the hell Florida Atlantic was a year ago and they earned their way to a Final Four. Sure. You know, you don't have that option if you're Florida Atlantic in college football. Right, like Florida Atlantic could have gone thirteen and zero. Well,
0: can you imagine if they put Liberty in this because they were thirteen and zero? I but mean, my but, God but, in heaven, you'd have you'd have to have you'd have six ambulances at the game yeah, for well, all the kids that were going to get hurt in that game. The, the, I mean, you got to be fair with things, Chris. The, and, the, the, the,
2: the problem is, Florida State plays in the ACC. It is a major conference that has a national title in the last few years. Clemson won a national title. It's a conference that. Belongs in the playoff if they're undefeated. True. Texas is a money maker. True. And you know that you know these bozos. As you mentioned, they, they care about the matchup. All they care about is the money. Alabama against Texas is going to bring in a ton
0: of no, viewers. It, 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 it's, Chris, it's, Chris, Chris, here's the thing, and I, sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make sure we, we get everything in. I'm going to tell you this right now. You can't have Michigan. Playing Alabama in the semifinal game, they don't want that. No, it won't and so, happen. but but the point is, Alabama, if they're in, should be no higher than the fourth seed, and Michigan's a lock at number one. So so there there's no way that shouldn't happen. And Washington's got to be the number two seed, which means it should be if you're going to put those four teams in. Should Michigan should play Texas. Texas and Washington and Michigan and Alabama. But instead, somehow, Washington winning and going undefeated in is the going best to... conference. In In in, in what looks like to be the best conference, is going to end up as the four seed, and two teams that both have a loss are going to end up leapfrogging them, kicking Florida State out of the Final Four, and ending up as two and three, which means Texas is going to have to end up as number two, I would imagine, and Alabama is number three, but it doesn't matter what order you put them in. It's a farce, but yet, I gotta say, from a fan's perspective, I like those matchups, and I'll enjoy watching those games on New Year's Day. I'm telling you, I just will.
2: boils down to what what's your criteria what's the criteria is it the team that earns their way in i.e florida state yep. or the team that might be a top fourteen? well how about
0: georgia how about kirby smart's argument saying and i want to play this jim harbaugh clip and we're almost out of time so i gotta do but how about kirby smart's argument saying we were the number one team in the country okay for, so for two we years, got, for, right so we got beat but you're going to tell me we are not one of the top four teams in the country. You are going to tell me that the four teams you're going to put in, we couldn't compete with them and beat them on any given Saturday. The answer is yes, they could. Well, they probably but are the
2: best team in the country. They, they
0: very well could be. But but Alabama beat them. So you know, again, it, it's tough thing. But here was we'll close this segment with Nick Saban's argument for Alabama being one of the four teams in the playoffs. The message that I would send is we won the SEC.
2: You know, we beat the number one team in the country, which everybody thought on the committee was the number one team in the country. If we needed to do something to pass the eye test, that probably contributed to it significantly. And if you really want the four best teams to compete, the four most deserving teams that have progressed throughout the season, I think this team is one of the four best teams and one of the teams that's deserving to be in the playoffs.
0: You you know what's funny about that? I'll just say this right now is the pompous We won the SEC. Isn't that the way he started it? We won the SEC. That right there should just say we're in. What about the team that says we won the Big 12? Or we won the ACC? Nope, we won the SEC. But you know what? The SEC kind of... Is earned that right a little bit. I mean, other than Clemson and what they did in the early portion, the early the, the, the beginning of the, the playoffs, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue when you say SEC has been maybe the football dominant yeah, conference no, in the country. I don't country. care
2: about the past. I don't care. That should have zero. Well, you got two
0: teams that have one loss that are both really good in yeah, Alabama but, but, and, and Georgia.
2: Here's the problem. Georgia has as good of an argument, I think, as anyone, right? Because as you mentioned, they went undefeated. They lost on a neutral field. And I will say this, Georgia lost that game, missed field goal, right? After, well, the kid makes the field goal, and what was there, a false start or something on the, on the play? Move, the, move it back five yards, and the kid misses the field goal. But, you know, Georgia's got an argument, too. They no, say, they, look, they, they do. We, we won 29 straight games.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. Kirby Smart had a good argument. But,
2: but you know what? They lost the biggest game of their season. They did. They should be out.
0: They did. And I'm going to just say it. I'm going to leave it at this. We'll close with this. I'm telling you right now, Michigan number is going to be number one. I think they're going to put Texas as number two. I think Alabama will be three and Washington's going to be four. That's my opinion. They could flip-flop Texas and Alabama, but I think that's what you're going to see. Those are going to be your matchups. Michigan will be playing Washington in the Rose Bowl, and that that's that's going to be it. And I think uh, when it's all said and done, we'll talk more, uh, we have future shows to talk about who's going to win the national championship. Real quickly, Spence, just hit this. We don't have really any time for the Bones, but this was Antonio Pierce after the game last week against what people still see to think is the best team in football, the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: We're squeezing all we can. I mean, obviously, fourteen nothing is what you want. That's a great start. Um, but you knew at some point, world champs. Patrick and those guys start making plays. They did had a good drive there. Okay, got to keep going offense. And you know, obviously, it's a collective group thing, right? It's not just the defense. It's offense, special teams. And I think as the game went on, you know, for four quarters, they became a better team. You know, we had a quarter here and there. And as the game go on, you know. You know, there's a reason why Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, and Kelsey's here. But we got to do a better job of stopping those two players, two players, and then we got opportunities on offense that we we can make some plays, and we didn't make them again. So it comes down to execution, and we got to keep working on that
0: going to be interesting. Very, very interesting what goes on with the Raiders. They're on by this week. Next week, they got two games at home starting next Sunday against the Vikings, and we'll have a lot more to talk about with that next week. Let's move on. we got to get to our pick segment. Not a lot of time to talk about this week. Week 13 in the, in, uh, the NFL. A lot of lucrative games, obviously, for me, coming up very shortly as the Detroit Lions are at the New Orleans Saints looking to rebound from uh, that horrible game they played on Thanksgiving against the Green Bay Packers. I think they will. Derek Carr going up the Lions. We saw Derek Carr Last week cost me. I had a five-team parlay ticket, and it was Kar who cost me. I thought, God, they can't go down to Atlanta and beat the beat the lousy Falcons. No, they couldn't. And uh, uh, but th- that brings us to the pick segment. Uh, we went two and two again. The Scooper uh, trying to make a comeback. He wants to get back in this. Being the prognosticator, he did win. He took Indy minus two and a half. Um, hosting Tampa Bay last week. I thought that was a pretty good bet. I know Tampa Bay is a really bad squad. Uh, and the Colts won at 27-20, so the scooper uh, the scooper got his win. I uh, won again last week. I'm on a roll two in a row, and now I have tied Magnum, and we are up top at 7-5. and five. I took the Ravens, who I think, uh, man, when they're playing their best football, to me, is as good as anybody in the National Football League, especially with the defense that team has. They played, uh, last week, they played uh, the at the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Ravens 120-10, and uh, then Magnum, who was leading the pack a couple weeks ago, he took a hit, took uh, the Houston Texans. I didn't think that was a bad bet, but Jacksonville playing better football. Houston was getting a point and a half. They were hosting the Jags. The Jags came in and beat them 24-21, and the Wiz needs to find the winning ways. He's got to quit taking bad teams. I told him this last week. He took Tampa last week, went against head-to-head with the scooper, took Tampa in the two and a half points, and of course, as we already said, the Bucks lost 27-20. Hopefully Hopefully he won't do that again this week. Uh, Scooper, kick us off. What do you got?
3: Yeah, so Tampa Bay, they covered four games in a row before we faded them last week. We're going to do the same this week. Carolina plus three and a half. This Tampa Bay team, they can't run the ball, and that's really where Carolina is weak. We're going to look for Bryce Young to ride with this Alabama momentum from yesterday, and we're going to take Carolina plus three and a half.
0: All right, he's got Carolina plus three and a half. I'll go last today. I'll let you guys go ahead. Mags, go ahead. Or right, Actually, we're going to let Spencer in here. Spencer, we want to get you right away. You had to be thinking about this because you want to get off the snide. What do you got?
4: Well, I'm going to take the Chargers. If they don't win this game and they don't blow out the Patriots, Brandon Staley won't be allowed back on the team bus. So I'm just going to say he's fighting for his job, and the Chargers are obviously fighting for whatever you know semblance of a season left in this week's matchup.
0: Yeah, the Chargers, uh, you know, probably one of the most disappointing teams in the National Football League this year. I really thought they'd do a lot better. They're five-point dogs, or I should say five-point favorites against the Patriots. That should be a win for them. I cannot imagine them not being poor Bill Belichick, man. Uh, Boy, does does, does he miss Tom Brady or what, man? Unbelievable, this guy, uh, what's happened with him. um, A little little bit bit shocking. But uh, go ahead. What do you got for us, Mags?
2: Yeah, listen, I, I actually... I actually want to take the Patriots in this game, but I'm not going to. My eyes must be deceiving me because the reigning <laughs> NFC champs, a.k.a. potentially the best team in the NFL, are getting three points at home in a game you know they're going to be up for. It's it's a huge game in Philadelphia. It's an afternoon game. I grew up right outside Philadelphia. Those people are lunatics. They will be riled up. They will be loaded on the adult beverages, the Eagles are going to destroy the San Francisco 49ers today. Give me give me those
0: points. He's taking the three points. And, and you know, they, they have got to be salty, being underdogs, the best team in football, and they're underdogs in their own ballpark. Yeah, and don't think Nick Sirianni doesn't know what's oh up. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? He's using that all day long. You know, I got to tell you, you know, I say not to take bad teams. I'm going to take a a team that I don't think is a great team, but they're going against a really bad team. I think Pittsburgh at home, giving 6.5 to a very, 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 did I say very? Very bad Arizona Cardinals team. I don't think is enough points. I think Small Hands Pickett can get the jobs done and uh, lead the lead. Represent uh, the Jersey re- Shore. Represent man. the Jersey Shore. I think they take them down. Matter of fact, I think this is a double digit win for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Arizona Cardinals. Pittsburgh's rising up, and uh, they will end up. You know what? What I mean? Who would have thought the AFC Central might be the best division in football right now? Cincinnati at the bottom because they lose Joe Burrow, but Cleveland with that defense. I don't think it matters who plays quarterback. Joe Flacco will be fine there. And uh, my God, the Baltimore Ravens might be the best team in the league. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are saying, we're going to make the playoffs too. Maybe three teams from the Central. Can you imagine at the beginning of the season, if I said three teams from the Central to the AFC Central are going to make or excuse me, AFC North are going to make the postseason, and not one of them, those teams is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Who would have figured on that? Pretty surprising. Listen, we are out of time. This is out of line. Want to thank the scooper for chiming in, as always. Want to thank uh, Mags behind the wheel of steel, and, of course, uh, Spencer Ostrowski. What would I do without the Wiz? I'm Brian Feldman. This is out of line. We will be back next week, same time, same place, Fox Sports Radio Philadelphia 9. Philadelphia is in
3: trouble.